When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life, a podcast where you'll gain insights from relationship experts and entrepreneurial couples who have moved through conflict and into a better life. Crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships. Here's your host, Judy K. Herman. Before we begin, I want to share that a lot of what we address about couples in these episodes also apply to your relationships in your organization. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, I would love to support you. Just go to judyspeaker.com. Today, we'll talk more about how Imago therapy can help you connect and feel safe in your relationship. Rabbi Shlomo Slatkin and his wife Rivka together created the Marriage Restoration Project, also named No Blame, No Shame. Let's listen in to hear what's possible for your relationship. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life. My name is Judy Herman, and I am so excited to introduce you to my colleague, a fellow Imago therapist and mental health uh, professional counselor. His name is Shlomo. It's Rabbi Shlomo. And Shlomo, thank you so much for being here. I was reading on your website and all the work you're doing with couples you and your wife are partnering together, right? And you created the the marriage project, correct? Yeah, the marriage restoration project, yes. Yes. Tell us more about that because I'm excited about it. And you also have, you do something that is just beyond the traditional marriage counseling. And I want to make sure people get your credentials too, but, but just share with us who you are and, and who you help. Yeah. Sure. So I would say when, when my wife and I were married about two years already, things got to a boiling point. We had our first child and I basically, I was the dragger, as they say. <laughs> I said, you know, we really need to go to couples therapy. Uh, and we had, I had a, someone that I knew, uh, a colleague who I was an occupational therapist referred me to in Mago, specifically uh, our specific therapist. Um, Rifka, my wife had a hairdresser that referred her to Imago. Her ha- father happened to have been a, an Imago therapist. So she was willing to go. We went. L- and let me hold. Her l- yeah. L- let me hold this. You and I are so used to knowing what Imago therapy is all about, but sure. the average person may or may not know, but the Imago term means image, right? And maybe yes. just give a little piece of what Imago therapy is. So Imago therapy is, was created by Dr. Harville Hendricks and he wrote a bestseller called Getting the Love You Want. And in that book, he gives a theory for basically he tries to understand why, why the marriage, why the dream becomes a nightmare, meaning why marriages start off so great and then they get sour so quickly. And he has a whole theory of, wh- of why we choose our partner and why we have challenges. And the theory is that we're looking, we all have an unconscious image of 
our ideal partner, which is a composite of the positive and negative characteristics of a primary caretaker. So we're looking to marry someone very similar. And this is all happening, you know, subconsciously. And that's because the mar we said marriage is the unfinished business of childhood and is for the purpose of growth and healing. So we're almost looking to recreate the childhood to get it right this time. So of course, and the, so that's a whole theory of why we, why this happens. And then of course, there's a whole practical set of skills of how, how we can heal and repair and, and meet those childhood needs within the relationship. So my wife and I, we had a very, I had a very little knowledge about what Imago was because I was in count, I was in school for getting my master's in counseling psychology. There was a marriage and family course. Somebody, we all had to do like a, a book report. Somebody did a book report on Imago. We presented in class. So I heard about Imago. I saw the book in someone's bathroom once. So <laughs> that, yeah, those know. are where the best books are found sometimes, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So I know a little bit about it, but not so much. But when we went for the for our first session, and it just changed changed our life forever. I mean, we felt like we had, were newlyweds again. We felt hope again. We saw, we was like, finally, there's a better way. Um, it was just really amazing. Uh, so in the process of working together, the therapist suggested that I do the Imago training to become a certified Imago therapist. And, and that's what I did. I began, so I took our, I took our, our challenge and our success to motivate me to help other couples. So I was working in private practice in the Baltimore area for a little while. And then it got to the point where my wife, who is a ch child of divorce, she said, you know, we have to do something for the children. We have to do something bigger. There's so many people suffering. She had actually met a neighbor of ours whose parents had just gotten divorced. And the father took her to this like singles weekend. And reminded her of when she was her age, where she was taken to a singles weekend, and how like uncomfortable it was to be a child of divorce and to mm -hmm. kind of be dragged around by the one parent or the other. And she's like, you know, we really have to do something to help the children. So it was really her, her to her success that we kind of got to this kind of broader vision of the marriage restoration project, which is to help fam couples and families be healthy and happy, live healthy and happy lives through through you know the work of imago therapy. Um, but through education, through our online course, through our, we have, we run private retreats, intensives with couples and also group workshops. And now we have a lot of clinicians in other locations as well. But our goal is really to, we feel that unfortunately there's a lot of well-meaning therapists, but people are not getting, it seems to us, good help. They're not getting the encouragement, the hope and the skills that actually can make a difference. I just spoke to somebody recently and they went, to, they went to a therapist online for one time. He's like, um, you need to go work on your, do individual therapy for your childhood before we can do marriage counseling. And she just mm. felt like it was all, like she was the bad guy and it was all her fault. And, you know, the Imago approach is going to focus on that both people contribute equally to the relationship in their own way. And that we have to be able to work together and, and help heal each other as opposed to just, you know, get yourself fix first uh, and obviously true. yeah so that's I, I'll, I'll pause there yeah 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 i do use the term co-create so many people come to counseling and they they say i'll just fix my spouse and everything yeah. will be fine well that's really not how it works in fact that's not even marriage therapy it's when it, it is raising that level of awareness in my book 
Beyond Messy Relationships, I talk about this acronym and, and actually help couples do this deep breathing, which slows down the nervous system and also just helps you become more aware. But when you're aware of how you are inadvertently creating the mess, that can make a huge difference. And that is what Imago Therapy does. When I explain it to people, I explain that, okay, we learned the speaker listener, this dialogue technique, but how to make that space between two people emotionally safe. And when they have the skills and the right attitude, that is so transformational, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah, it is. And, and it just, it seems so simple. I mean, it's not simple, it's hard work, but it it's not so complicated. We don't have to like figure out a million different things. There's usually, you know, the, the core issue is really the lack of connection and, and the feeling of lack of safety. And when, when we can help a couple achieve that, it's amazing to see I found before my eyes to see the transformation. Now they have to put in the work to make sure that they practice what they've learned and and you know put their best foot forward. But the really solving the problem doesn't have to be so complicated. And and it's it saddens you know it saddens my wife and I because I used to get calls from people telling me about how they're you know they went to therapy and it made their relationship worse or they got divorced because if the therapy made it worse. It just was it it was just. I really feel like there's a better way. And every time we do, we work privately with a couple, even when we do our getting the love you want workshops, we just see people on the brink of divorce and then they walk away after two days and they really mm-hmm. feel that there's a, wow, like now I can finally communicate. Now I finally can understand you. Now I feel safe with you. I feel that we can have a future together. Whereas before it was very bleak. So our goal is really to get that message out there to give people the, the understanding and then the practical tools to be able to, to take ownership for the relationship and create a healthier future. Awesome. Well, let me ask you, I'm just going to get where the rubber meets the road here and a lot of people that are listening. And so many people said, well, I've tried Imago therapy. I even went to the getting the love you want retreat and, and uh, had some breakthroughs. And then there was no follow through or whatever the attitudes weren't right. Or, or maybe one of them's done a whole bunch of stuff online and, and has identified the spouse to have these really strong narcissistic traits and they just have these attitudes and the built-up resentment. How do you deal with that? Is that something that can get in the way of the work that you're doing? And, and how do you deal with that? What, what does a well, spouse do that has, that maybe has tried everything that, um, and, and all the wonderful techniques, what sure. happens with that? So if, I guess it's a multi-layered question, a few things. I mean, a lot of times, first of all, somebody, I do, I do continuing ed ther- training for therapists and I've seen some of those therapists advertise themselves as doing a mago on uh, psychology today. And I know they just had, they didn't do the clinical training. They took a three hour course with me, but they read the book. So first of all, all because you did, you know, thought you did a mago doesn't necessarily mean you did a mago, but obviously if you went to the getting love, you want workshop, you did go to a workshop. So that's just one thing. Number one, uh, number two, no, not all therapists are alike. Um, you know, because someone gets trained in something doesn't mean that they're going to be good. I mean, that's just some people are good at what they do. And some people are not as good. Um, so, you know, well, let, like, let me back yeah, up for a minute. Yeah. I want I want to play on that a little bit. What yeah. you just said some of the some therapists are good at what they do and some are not. Are you saying maybe that the therapist uh, like if a couple doesn't come out of of the work that you've done with them and um, is that on the therapist? I mean, well, it's I not always, we're... it's not always a therapist. I mean, it's also the, I mean, it's part, it's twofold. I mean, sometimes it can be the therapist is not 
Look, someone I know people who, who I know of people who have or even were certified in Imago, and you know, I didn't personally feel like they were. Um, I don't know. There's something personally, my sense was I wouldn't feel comfortable sending someone to them necessarily, all because they were certified in Imago. I just didn't feel like they really. I don't want to say that they got it the same way that I did or that they were maybe f faithful to the model um, because it's not just it's not just teaching you the theory and the dialogue, but it's really believing in the process and really keeping it safe. And that means you know, not inserting your opinions, not talking about, I don't know, things that are extraneous like politics or anything that can make the people feel up upset. Um, not not, of course, taking sides. It's very easy to not to it's very tempting to take sides in, in working with a couple because there might be one person that triggers you and you kind of feel bad for the other spouse. And I felt that internally, but I know that practically I cannot do that because that's not my job. So you have to really be, um, have a lot of uh, uh, inner strength and restraint when you're doing this work. And, you know, again, it's not my, I'm not uh, the uh, founder of Imago therapy or the, I don't claim to be the only expert or the, yeah. Or, and, but I mean, I, I, I feel like there's a certain, you know, if someone's really doing it uh, with, a, I don't want to say with like a fundamental or fundamentalist approach, but really, really a strict, you know, imago versus someone who's, you know, doing some imago techniques, but they're not really in the spirit of imago. And that's where things can kind of go off the rails. But, but not to just blame the therapist. Sometimes it's, you know, if you have a partner who's, who's doing things, if you have a partner who's, who's uh, actively having an affair uh, or they're using drugs behind your back and they're not in recovery, you know, you could go to the best therapist in the world, but you're not going to necessarily help that situation if the other, if the person doesn't stop that destructive behavior. So you can't, you know, you can't just expect therapy to cure everything. You have to have two willing, as you mentioned before, two willing partners that want to participate honestly in the process. Um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's really interesting because uh, yeah, over the years of my work with couples, yes, using Imago therapy, but also integrating to some other modalities. And then also, you know, you bring yourself right to the counseling um, and working with a couple. And it's so very vital for any therapist that you're working with, with whatever modality that they're in, that they are doing their internal work, right? And that they are raising their level of awareness. They're growing through this. So what I have found that there are certain character traits that couples need in and how to develop that, how to bring their awareness to how, you know, those listening skills. Um, but there is a lot involved because you really can't, um, you know, keep that uh, cinder block of resentment in your soul, right? And expect any kind of therapy or program or a weekend retreat um, to, you know, to go, well, you got to just be willing to move it. That's one thing I really stress also in my modality or my book that it's, it is a dance. It, it is a dance, this flow. What are those emotions? Those emotions are, are, temporary messengers to our souls? How can we listen to them? How can we grow through them? How can we be vulnerable and making that emotionally safe? So that couples, right, can go from being stuck to moving, to moving into a growth resilience dance, so to speak. So that's how yeah. I see it. Okay. And, and we might have different views and that's okay. I don't, it's like sometimes people get caught up in some of these terms, like a happy marriage 
like a happy marriage, you know, is <laughs> not yeah. a stagnant one, right? right? In fact, the things that you deal with when you're first having kids, when you have little babies and you're, you're growing kids, right, is a very different stage of life than when you're raising teenagers or when you, you're in the grandparent stage, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm not and- in the grandparent stage yet, but... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, for sure. Babies versus teenage, yeah, teenagers, I, it's definitely different. But I think overall, it's about what what both, there's no, uh, I would say like what defines a happy marriage. It really depends on the couple. What is, what is it that you need to feel happy? And that's something that you co-create together. But one other thing is the accountability, because I think that a lot of people come to these workshops and they're wonderful, but afterwards they don't, they don't, uh, they don't follow up with the program or they don't, they don't continue the work. So you can't expect it's not magic. That's why when we do our private intensives, we include follow-up sessions. When we do the workshop, we include encourage couples to do a follow-up package because the success is going to be, you need, you need the, you need that intensive. You need that uh, aha moment to be able to really make the shift and create hope and, and momentum, but you also need the consistency. And that's what's going to really make the long-term results to actually apply what you've learned. Uh, so it requires work for the, you know, it's for, for the client, for the couple, they have to put in the work. And if they put in the work, they'll be, they can be successful. Well, that's what I want to ask you, Shlomo. So what if one person is so committed to doing the work and, right. and, and the other just chooses not to? And, and what do you do in those cases? Right. So are they still doing, what do I do with them in terms of therapy wise, or what would I tell the committed spouse if they're working on their own? Yeah. Yeah. What, what advice would you give is probably, you know, I mean, are there cases in which, which there's certain couples maybe that to continue work or to do the Imago work or, or any kind of work that is just not healthy for if, if one spouse is continually resistant? Yeah. Um, you know, I always say it's the best is if you have both people working together. If you have a resistant spouse and you're committed to being in the relationship, let's say you, a lot of people won't even come to therapy. So there are things that you can do. Yeah, it's much harder. But if you're committed, you can do the best to be the best you can be. You can figure out what you're doing to trigger your spouse. And, you know, we do see that it has a ripple effect. If you take ownership for yourself in the relationship and you change, then your spouse begins reacting differently and Absolutely. maybe it's not as maybe it's not a fast process but um i've seen it happen before and uh, yeah. i believe it can happen it's just so you know sometimes it's one person has to kind of be the driving force for the relationship until the other person gets on board I it's agree. a lonely path and hard but it's if you that's what if you're committed to the relationship then that's sometimes the only the only answer um, I agree that if one spouse does change and they change and they grow and, and it will change that energy within the relationship. And then you're inviting the other spouse to change and maybe make it even easier for that other spouse to change. Right. But there's still choices on both ends. We know that. Right. There's still choices. And I, I like what Terry Real has to say uh, about that, that it, it can be a great day. <laughs> For, for the marriage when both of them are doing the work and it, it could be, you know, a wonderful, great day for the spouse who chooses to continue this work. But the one that doesn't, I mean, it, it, it's all, it does matter. It matters that both do the work together in a way that they can grow together. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the, definitely ideal. And that's definitely, it makes the job easier. Sure, when you say it's definitely ideal, let me ask you this. Is it, uh, what's the norm? Let's just talk about what's the norm of what you've seen in your career about two people coming. Um, I know that there's been a lot of success, right? Otherwise you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. And it's worked also for you and your wife. You've come together. You've learned how to do life together. You've learned how to identify what your values are. There's there's some things that you've, you've done together. So um, what was my question? Like, okay, so... So what's the likelihood or what's the norm? Is it is it always usually one person dragging the other into counseling in the first place? Yeah, well, I think there's, there, there is usually um, initially one person who's a little bit more invested than the other. Now, with, with my pro- the way that we do it, because it's such a big investment of time and, 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 and resources, you, it's really hard that someone's it's not like, look, I'm just going to have someone come for one session and my insurance pays for it. So yeah, I can drag my spouse along. It's not, they'll, they'll come along for a session, but to come for two days, like they have to be a little bit on board. So I could say both people or even a workshop, there was usually a drag. One person is like more gung ho about it. We call it a dragger and a draggy, uh, but it's not the same as like, for example, if you were just seeing somebody, uh, you know, once a week and insurance is paying for it you're going to have, it's much more likely to have someone who is extremely resistant. And when I did kind of fee for a session, I did have that, a, you know, a little bit more, and that was harder to work with. Now I still see that you do have people who are more, more resistant than the other, but they were willing to come. And the fact that they were willing to come, it says a lot because I get calls all the time from people where they can't even get their spouse to commit to doing anything. So I, I do see that. So there's, there's often one person who's going to be a little bit more working harder, but the fact that they're both there, I find that they both wind up doing the work. They're both open and then they, they can be successful. Now, resistance is normal. We have to just kind of go with it and not push anybody. But the goal is that if they feel that this is a safe, safe atmosphere, eventually they begin to open up and let their guard down and, and participate more. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been great. And let me ask you, uh, what if there was one thing, of course, I'll, you know what, I want to go back to because I want people to know you too and, and your journey and where you've been. Sure. And you've done some remarkable things. And I think like this Jewish version of the couplehood as a spiritual path that you partnered with Harvell Hendricks um, to do on the getting the love you want. Some of some folks are familiar with that book. It's they should be if they're not. <laughs> but uh, and then also you're the author of the five step action plan to a happy and healthy marriage, and um, published numerous articles. Let me ask you, with all the training and the experiences and the stories that you've heard over the years, Shlomo, how how have you changed as, as a human being, as a dad, as a husband? How has this work changed you? Sure. That's a profound question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I mean, it, it, I mean, I'm lucky that we did this work, that we've kind of did this work together early on. Um, it really changed, I mean, it changed my whole life. It changed my way of understanding how to, to listen I mean, I, I was, I always thought I was a good listener. People used to come to talk to me about their problems, even before I was, in, you know, when I was in, in, before I even went to 
in the field of psychology. Um, but I realized that it, it's it's okay. I was a good listener when it was someone else's problems, but I was not a good listener when someone had a problem with me. Uh, they get defensive and like we all do. And I learned a lot about how to really listen, how to really hear another person and really cross the bridge into the other person's perspective. And it helped me be able to see the world in a, from more, I would say a gray perspective that instead of just like being kind of dogmatic, like it's either, you know, right or wrong, there's right and wrong. I mean, there is right. I mean, there's right and wrong, but uh, in terms of people's opinions uh, and feelings about things that both people could have an equally valid perspective, even if it differs. Yeah. It's very hard because, you know, especially in our very charged divisive environment in this country and the world, um, a lot of people aren't able to really see that there is very easy to get it wrapped up in our own fear and kind of think that we're right, you know, and to be able to see that, okay, I can see where this side is coming from and I can see where this side is coming from. And, you know, being a little bit more curious about why people feel the way they do, as opposed to being judgmental, it's just a really important human (laughs) relational skill that you need in all relationships. So with children, with parents, so the Imago process really helped me be a better husband and also be a better father to be able to be aware of my triggers with my kids, be able to get a little bit curious about where they're coming from and, and make space for their, their feelings. So I think it's been invaluable for me, just deepening my understanding of, of the world and of people and, and how to understand people and be there for people in a more yeah. meaningful way. Well, thank you for sharing that. I have found with uh, many years and decades of my marital experiences in life that there's there's different seasons that you go through in your marriage that may be more challenging than others. There's different seasons that could be more peaceful and happy than others. But it's it's my belief that the, the it's change. It's always change. It's a human journey to do that and our perspectives to broaden um, I mean, when I had babies, it's like, I, it was, it was a transformational time in my life to become a mother for the first time. You think, where did all yeah. this love come from? I never yeah. knew I had that. And so our human journey is one that is changing. And, uh, and so anyway, that's kind of what spurred that question, which might act, I've got another question, if you don't mind staying just sure. a little bit longer. Yeah, sure. Uh, a, a genuine question here. Do you find in your experiences that, that, well, just if you would speak to those different seasons of marriage and maybe the requirements for changing up some ways of being like, you know, when, when you're in the uh, raising teenager stage, your ways of being are not going to be the same. Uh, and, And so do you identify that there's maybe a more challenging stage of marriage than there is in other stages. I mean, can I pinpoint like what's the most challenging stage? Or yeah, sure, sure. The one you're um, in, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, you know, every every everyone has different challenges. So, like when when we had little kids, um, it was very demanding, physically demanding, and that put in sh- a lot of stress. With, you know, lack of sleep and just t- dealing with the kids' physical needs. But then when they begin to when they get older so in some ways it's easier and things are calmer but then they have their own emotional needs and they have issues in school and it and as they get older and teenage i mean it just i don't know if there's ever 
it's, it's hard to know kind of like what season is you know <laughs> yeah yeah. The, yeah. yeah they're just they're all different they all have different challenges I, I don't know if one is a better or worse i mean in theory you can be worried about them uh <laughs> i have and your dis- relationship can have stress regard you know regardless yeah i've discovered just with my own clinical practice hearing people's stories two stages number one is the, the very beginning before kids <laughs> And then near, uh, like in the emptiness stage where they, they rediscover themselves. But yeah. I think with each stage of, of our, even in our relationships, not just with our spouse, but with our children, and it, they, they bring up stuff about ourselves that we didn't know before, right? Yeah. It's like our relationships are mirrors to us. We can't even see our faces in real life, but the person we're in close relationship or other relationships they can see our blind spots and how to honor what others see in us, right? I think is so very important and what we're blinded to. This is a lifelong journey. So to have the tools not to have arrived at a happy marriage place, because I don't know if there's any such thing as it. Maybe there is, but I don't think there is because it's always then another season that brings up things. And so if we can grow have the, have the tools to grow and to be open, grow in our character, our self-awareness and grow in resilience. That's what I identify as a healthy yeah. um, growing marriage. Cause you can be happy one time and you can be sad another and all these emotions are coming yeah. and going and they're rather fluid as uh, is kind of my uh, way of thinking of it just from all that I've learned in life. It, and yeah, it's about, it's, I think it's about like, as you were saying, it's about learning to be flexible. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I learned being, it's like, you know what, it's not about what you want. It's, you know, you have to kind of deal with whatever the situation is. That means what your spouse needs, what your kids need, what, whatever is going on in your life, just to be able to be flexible and to not have these expectations. I mean, you can have wants, wishes and desires, but ultimately to just be present. And, and if you can stay connected and, and make that a priority with your spouse throughout the whole journey, so even when you get thrown a curveball with, you know, the various things that can come up, stressors, especially with kids, uh, if you still have that connection, otherwise you're going to be living on a roller coaster and you're going to be like miserable. <laughs> That's so true. So true. Not just kids, it's in-laws, it's other things, it's cultural stuff, it's political stuff, it's everywhere mm-hmm. that life does happen, doesn't it? So let me ask you this, and I, I um, shared before that I use this acronym of breathing fresh air, breathing into the lungs, slowing down the nervous system is a really good technique to do for all of us. But also I have this acronym of with air, awareness is the A, I is intentionality and risk of growth. If there's one thing that you would like to leave with listeners, that um, a piece of advice maybe to raise their level of awareness, or maybe it's the next right thing for them to do. um, What piece of advice a real concise little thing that you would like to leave planted in the hearts of others who are struggling in their marriages. Yeah. I think that, well, take, I would say that when you see, when you're experiencing a challenge in your relationship, instead of looking outward and pointing your finger at what the other is doing to you, begin to reflect inward and to start thinking, why is this bothering me? Where is this coming from? And when you do that, it takes, it helps you gain more awareness and, under, and more power in terms of how you can choose to respond to the issue. Um, and it also helps take away that negativity towards your spouse because more likely than not, 
although your spouse may be triggering you, it's more about, we always say if it's hysterical, it's historical. You know, if it's more about your, your own issues that are being triggered. And if you can take ownership for that, that's really, doesn't mean to condone what your spouse is doing, but it can, it can give you that emotional freedom where you can really choose how to respond instead of just react and take away a lot of, I'll say misery in a relationship. Absolutely. It's like from going from conflict to connection, knowing yeah. yourself, but, and, and even like, if you can have that kind of perspective and then you can get to a point where you can thank your spouse for bringing that out right. <laughs> or someone else that's bringing out something that you wouldn't know. Otherwise I tell so many that come to see me, you know, even your spouse with all of their issues that they have and you with all of your issues that you have, there's no one really that can do for you as far as mirroring back what, what your own character development is this invitation to live a bigger life, more um, just more full than your spouse, even with their issues. (laughs) So, so growing together is so very vital, isn't it? And, And growing one's character throughout our lifetime is very vital as well. So well, thank you so much. L- let me ask you this, um, Shlomo, where sure. can listeners learn about you? And uh, yeah, and, and get some help if they're interested in going to a, a retreat or some online counseling for their marriage, where, where, where do they find you? It's uh, www.themarriagerestorationproject.com. Themarriagerestorationproject.com. You can free resources uh, learn about our services and and contact us if you have any questions and you want to speak to us about your situation. i love it i love it thank you so much for being out there and being uh, oh, on this my pleasure yeah yeah and i love it that you and your wife are doing this together oh my goodness there needs to be more therapists oh. that can partner with their wife and say see <laughs> this is working <laughs> But it really is. And you're, you're doing it from your own journey. So thank you. Thank you so much, um, Rabbi Shlomo. Thank it's you. been a pleasure to meet you. It's been you. a pleasure being here with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your story as well. Thank you. I was so touched by this conversation with Rabbi Shlomo and how he and his wife partner together. They show us how transformational this work is. Here's my takeaways. Number one. It's normal to experience different levels of resistance. We call it the dragger and the draggy. Number two, here's an equation. A skilled Imago therapist plus two willing partners plus accountability will sustain necessary connection and emotional safety. Number three, begin to reflect inward. Learn to respond rather than react. What stood out to you? Share your takeaways by going to betterrelationshipsbetterlife.com. Next week, we'll talk with Chris and Shelley Chamberlain, a successful entrepreneurial couple who will give us a peek inside the resistance and growth of their marriage. Until then, feel free to share, subscribe, rate, and comment in the streaming platform of your choice. See you next time.